Hey everybody, welcome back to Gray Malkin Lane's Patreon channel. I am so honored and happy to have my friend Trina Farrell joining me. How are you, Trina? I am good, thank you. How are you? I'm so good. Trina was on the show with me a few months back. We had just a lovely, giggly, wonderful time. And uh, we've been corresponding recently about doing a Patreon show. I was hesitant to suggest the character Shamrock, but Trina seemed very enthusiastic about delving into this character with me. This is a this is a character that needs someone Irish to <laughs> to, to talk least, with yeah. because because uh, she's very very complicated. Uh, Trina, as we're beginning, tell our listeners where they might know you from uh, professionally. And then I'd love to kind of start today by hearing a little bit of your story and your education. I know that this is a character uh, that's going to touch on a lot of your journey. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, hi, my name is Trina Farrell. Um, I do a lot of co coloring comic book work. So, uh, for Marvel and DC and Image, you know, if there's a company you've heard of, I probably work for them. I've been doing it now for about six years. Um, but funny enough, my background really isn't in art. I went into college and at the time I didn't know what I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do so like we we're like heck it just says let's do uh <laughs> let's do history so um uh learning history in an Irish college it's obviously very focused on Irish history and broader European history with sprinkles of American history so like you you um you learn a lot <laughs> about Irish history and like how complicated it is and then I came out of college and I still didn't know what I wanted to do. So I decided to go and do a master's in critical art theory. And I specifically studied First World War propaganda posters made for the Irish during the First World War when um, uh, Ireland was still a part of Britain. And so there's a lot of complicated aspects to like the Irish diaspora and how identity works and things. So yeah, I was talking to chat here about like uh how complicated it is and how uh, interesting the, the character of Shamrock is in like good and bad ways I'd say so. Now I think a really interesting place to start this is just the observation that history is often reported uh from the lens with which it is being viewed is maybe an overly simple way of saying that if we're talking about the history of Ireland pre-World War One or after or, or modern, it's going to sound very different if you're talking to a British person or an Irish person or an American person. And one of the most important things I think to distinguish about Shamrock is that she is all, almost always written by American men who are interpreting Irish history or their understanding, which is going to come from a very Irish American kind of white privilege viewpoint, uh, but yeah. this is a very sensitive topic. I, I know this is a big question that I'm about to ask, and it could turn into a whole college semester of content. Uh, but do you want to key our listeners in, if you're comfortable, Trina, on the types of history that we're going to be touching on as we talk about Shamrock today? There's a lot of there's a lot of complicated space, particularly when Shamrock's Shamrock's dad comes into the picture. We'll, we'll get there in a <laughs> complicated is that's a strong word, putting a lot of weight there. Um, so I. The, I think the problem, like like you said, with Irish history is that kind of like it is very much re viewed through a British lens, and um, 
the a lot of the the problems that like there are a lot of problems within Ireland today, but like um you know for what happened in Ireland between like the famines and like the religious persecution and everything like that, you know we're we're doing an all right job of it. So like a lot of people tend to kind of gloss over like what happened in Ireland back then, but like Irish history is kind of mired in like it's one of the one of the first kind of proper colonizations that one of the the greater powers did. So it was colonized back in kind of like the eleventh century. And so, like, this was kind of, like, just ripping apart Irish culture and their religion and the history of it. And then you kind of, you, like, you move forward with constant persecution and breakup of, like, the clans and everything like that. And then you get to kind of the, the, the religious persecution that kind of starts happening in kind of the 15th and 16th centuries. And then, you know, in Ireland, um, it's it was in an incredibly poor and um, kind of difficult place to live this is very agrarian, you know like a very agricultural country so it suffered a series of really really devastating famines that i think um in the what you call the 1845 40s 1850s that basically decimated the population by three quarters so that like if the, the population of Ireland was actually like eight million in um, 1845, and I think it dropped to 2 million <laughs> um, in the space of about 10 years. This was just people dying or like uh, just leaving the country because, you know, there's no food. Like, what what, what can you do? But like, so it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really tragic history and it's religion runs through it. And I, I want to say like, it's not, it could have been any religion, but really like the religion is sort of an expression of, um, of distinguishing themselves from the British. So like we have the Protestants in in Britain and then like the Catholics in Ireland and like being Catholic was like part of the identity. And then you move forward and that Catholic and Protestant identity is being linked to those particular kind of cultures and um, uh, nationalities leads to the troubles in the North. And uh, this is the North of Ireland, which is still technically under British rule. There's a whole bunch of things that happened when Ireland became independent in 1932. We just basically lost six, six counties. And so that, you know, Shamrock is kind of, there's there's parts of Shamrock character that's like someone who definitely heard of an Irish person once and is vaguely aware of the history. You know, but I think sometimes when, when like American comic book writers they want to write about like other cultures and especially i think not so much now you have like sensitivity readers and you have like people who uh what is this uh who will you you can actually do like a little bit of history google searching like back i'd say probably in like the 70s and 80s when you're writing a comic book character and you're kind of like oh i want to write an irish character oh what are the irish people like shamrocks and they're and like vaguely aware that they like religion and they're angry about the religion, but I'm not quite sure. So I'm just going kind of, kind to of have like a vague sense of that. So it's a, it's a really, <laughs> yeah, it's a really kind of an, um, a stereotypical take on the character. So perhaps an, uh, this is not an apt comparison, but trying to draw a parallel for American listeners, uh, the story that Trina is sharing right now is a little bit akin to uh, Columbus and the white man coming into uh, our land here and decimating the Native Americans and forcing them into spaces where they are kind of just forced to thrive with limited resources. And then they have a racist government that they're forced to participate with 
And even, even uh, you know, many, many, many years later, it continues to impact the people who have been born into this culture. And uh, uh, it, it doesn't make the problems any less, even though it's something that happened a long time ago, because the problems still are perpetual now. I, I don't know that we can stretch the comparison much farther because I think that no, because like, is very uh, different. It's then, very, <clears throat> yeah, I think some people, um, Irish identity is sometimes used uh, rather frustratingly to me to co, co it's co-opted to um, uh, give excuses as to, to why we shouldn't treat uh, racial minorities in the best ways we could you know like i i know for example that after the the george floyd killings it became very frustrating to be on like facebook or twitter specifically in like american spaces because other people would kind of claim that kind of like oh the irish were slaves too and it's like that is just not what happened at not all not the like, same I, experience yeah not the same thing at all and like i think people really want to co-opt the irish identity to feel um some sort of victimhood you know uh because when when you are irish there there is you know i'm not gonna say call it like a victimhood but there is like a very very kind of dark history there um like my my grandmother for example told me once about how like her family went through the famine and this is like some um you know great uncle she knew and things and it was so traumatic because you just like the you know, the only way that she could get food is you'd have to go to these workhouses that would like separate out all the families and you'd be forced to work for like 14, 15 hours a day just for like some bread. And you'd just be, you'd have to, you'd be forced to march basically to these workhouses and there'd be people dead on the, the streets because just everyone was dying. <laughs> there was no food. And, um, you know, it was so traumatic that they just never talked about it. And like, but I, and then that is obviously extremely horrible. Like, yeah, but people like really like to co-opt that sort of, you know, identity for themselves. And it can be very, very frustrating because when you're having, you're having like a conversation about like the impact of slavery on black Americans and people are like, oh yeah, but the, 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 the whites, Irish people also were slaves and they're fine. They don't complain. And I'm like, yeah, because we have nothing to fucking complain about. We're white. <laughs> like, it's pretty great, you know, like, <laughs> Another um, really another really interesting comparison perhaps to draw again these are widely different cultural experiences but we uh we see white men uh insensitively creating native american characters many times over the years including the initial appearances of the character thunderbird in the x-men which we'll talk about on my show eventually where there are some caricatures or Native American tropes that get used. Uh, they try to write in a particular way as to understand the character's religion and culture. And that diversity in comics is really crucial, but it's being told through that white lens that we talked about. And I think there are many Irish characters introduced in the comics that have that same type of caricature of let's take what Trina was saying let's let's take a shamrock and we'll add some luck powers <laughs> we'll we'll uh we'll we'll assume what we have here is uh culturally diverse enough uh the second thing uh to bring up quickly so many Irish characters in Marvel's history have been connected to a conflict in Ireland uh, involving the IRA that is hard to summarize in just a few words and I think <clears throat> for me, and, I, and Trina, I'll, I'll defer to you here. A lot of those stories tend to kind of land on 
if you're part of the team that like conforms to the government, you're the good guy. But if you're the part of the the guys that are fighting against the government of England, then you're the bad guy. Because these are the guys that are using the bombs and the guns to try to fight. And it's more complicated ju than just that nuance. So characters like Banshee, whose, uh, whose wife, Maeve, was killed in an IRA bomb. Uh, or characters, I don't know if you're familiar with Gloriana O'Brien from the Daredevil comics. Uh, who they tie into the IRA with her family, and then she's later fridged. Uh, Shamrock is another example of that. Let me defer to you. I, I I don't. I hope I'm not speaking inelegantly here, or or insensitively. Yeah, or like um, I think like the 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 background is always going to be that a lot of uh, Irish people did and do still continue to have frustration the fact that kind of like you know during the, the 1932 agreement because um the north had been a very very successful colony it was the final colony that the um plantation i guess that the, the british put in so um it's the most british uh out of all of them open quotation marks um the in terms of like like i don't i'm not gonna say sit here and like talk about kind of terrorism and killing people and and whatnot but like i i guess like I'm, I'm a person who would like understand the frustrations and what you have to remember as well that kind of like it was um this was combined at a time of extreme poverty in ireland and like a lot of frustration with the british and like what had happened because essentially like historically um Britain viewed Ireland as basically kind of like it's just a gigantic farm plot <laughs> that we can take money from whenever we want to so th there wasn't really any investment put into the the country at all so when it, the country came out in 1932 it was in, like in, in, incredibly incredibly poor there just wasn't work and like you you really had to like emigrate to to get anything like I know my 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 grandmother for example like she had um she had 10 brothers and sisters that she never met because they all emigrated before she was born and she just you know i have a ton of cousins in america that i don't i don't know who who they are really um because it's, that that's how it was at the time so like it's i i don't want to well, put it this, into terms like and this like is a time when i was just just to, just to note quickly this is a time when immigration yet generally meant you would never see your family again yeah, yeah, a whole were, new family yeah it was a one-way ticket um but it was definitely, I, I don't want to put it in framing as like good guys and bad guys, because I think like obviously bombings and things are terrible, but like I can also understand the frustration with like a lot, because a lot of the IRA stems from like communities that were downtrodden and there was a huge amount of frustration with the poverty and like what had happened with the British. So that mm -hmm. is why you saw sort of, um, uh, you kind of saw these kind of bombings and terrorist attacks and things like that. And like, I don't, um, I'm surprised actually, because I would have, I suppose I could give him Shamrock's kind of thing where like there's, you know, I, I guess I've kind of sometimes within um, America, there's, a, there's an idea of like wanting to uphold the status quo, <laughs> you know, where like it's, uh, you know, nor North of Ireland and South of Ireland are separate and people who are trying to disable that are wrong, you know? So like, there's maybe not like an understanding of like the frustration for the people in the North and the conflict that's going on that's kind of exacerbated by poverty and, um, uh, you know, and you know, the, the British are to blame 
but at the same time you you can't continue you know your 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 economic and your cultural policy just by hating the british who are your neighbors it's it's it just i think um like anything when you're kind of writing stereotypes you, you have to kind of boil down a lot of these things but kind of like it's it, like i i do think that sort of reflects um this this american thinking of like wanting to keep the status quo you know that the the government is always right um <laughs> that there's like so much of like marvel and dc as well like so much of their stuff is kind of embedded and threaded throughout like the the american government are always kind of seen as kind of like you know sometimes maybe a little bit inept but you know in general they're kind of like the, the good guys of the story and i'm like oh no <laughs> Well, and that one, Chief. it's incredibly complicated and incredibly murky sometimes because it's hard to define good and bad or right and wrong. And there's no easy solutions out of it historically. But if I, I mean, I think most people would universally agree that a lot of the tactics in the North Korean government are not super humane. But if I, as a white writer introduced a North Korean supervillain in my title and made them a caricature of North Korea and, and painted them clearly as a villain with certain types of motivations, me as a white guy looking through the white lens, that would end up being problematic. So I think even when people have the right intentions, it's still very, very tricky because there's not a lot of complex understanding. This is one of the reasons we need diverse voices who can mm. handle the diverse characters in sensitive ways. But Shamrock was introduced during a time <clears throat> when characters were being used uh, uh, from many different countries. This wasn't like an era of, of television and comics and stories where they were bringing in a lot more diversity into the books. Giant Size X-Men kind of started that trend in some ways. Uh, I, I know it happened in other places as well, but we see you know, Banshee and Sunfire, who had already been introduced into the main X-Men title. They added Wolverine, who's Canadian, Storm, who is Kenyan, uh, 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 Colossus, who is Russian, Nightcrawler, who is German. So we start to see different characters from different races and different places. Do you have thoughts, before we jump to Shamrock, on the portrayal of the character Banshee in his early years? I, his first appearance, at the very least, is an incredibly awful caricature of Irish people, uh, but he did get a lot more depth later. Do you have Do you have thoughts on Banshee? I know he's a huge fan favorite. Um, I I'm I'm gonna be frank and honest here. I don't know a lot about Banshee. Yeah, um, no but like the uh, the I always thought his kind of design was kind of unique and cool. And like um, I I can I I do sometimes kind of prefer when um instead of like taking from like political a kind of backgrounds that american writers and um what is it american writers and uh uh the kind of marvel in general kind of kind of base it more on kind of like old myths and things like that you know because those those are a little bit more vague and also i think it's uh, <laughs> it's a lot easier to age them <laughs> in a way you know because if you if you told me oh we're going to have this character who um uh, you know, wasn't involved in like stopped bombings during the troubles and saved kids and things. I'd be like, eh, I don't know about that. But you're kind of like, oh, I have a, I have a character that the name is based on like Banshee, like an old Irish myth. I'd be like, okay, you know, there's, there's like, there's wiggle room in that. There's ways to kind of move. I like, <laughs> it's like 
you know, trying to like make an American hero and naming him like the hero of Iraq, you know, you're like, it's the kind of thing that probably <laughs> won't age well down the line, if you if you understand me. Banshee, and I'll keep this brief, Banshee was initially introduced as a character from Ireland. Again, they drew him at the beginning as, as rather racist. When Chris Claremont took over, they made him a more complex character. They told a tragic backstory of him having had a wife and a cousin, Black, it's Black Tom. His wife was killed in an IRA bombing. Eventually, he had a daughter that he never knew he had. He was an Interpol agent. But they also gave him his family estate, which is a castle with a bunch of leprechauns living in the basement. So there's, there, there were some really interesting, even as they tried to reclaim it, they did some really interesting choices regarding the Irish portrayal or roots of this character. That, yeah, uh, that kind I, of I, I would have been far more interesting to lead into the Banshee stuff rather than <laughs> kind of like, say, I swear, like everyone dies, according to Americans, all their families die by IRA bombings. Like I just, <laughs> or there being, you know, something involved with that. Um, Because I guess it's an easy thing to point to, but like, um, it it's such he had a bunch of leprechauns in his face. Yeah, that that sounds about right. To be honest, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, we can talk about uh the portrayal of Storm or the portrayal of Colossus, uh, who literally called himself the proletariat once. I mean, we can go on and on. These are these are areas where we could uh where we could get very divisive. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just like, my my main point being, we're like this that um, uh. I think sometimes you just you you don't really want to. I think it's 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 okay to kind of touch on what is this kind of political things like that using characters because you base entire characters' backstories on them. Like I say, it can really really age poorly down sure. the line, <laughs> you know. And like I I kind of prefer um like even just like Banshee's name and his design and things and his connection to like old um Irish roots compared to Shamrock who is a Shamrock which is uh, <laughs> like the, the reason that like shamrocks are not something I, I think to be terribly celebrated. Like the reason um, it became like, I guess the national flower of Ireland is that uh, it was so poor back then, but the people would eat shamrocks because it was the only thing they could find. Like shamrocks are edible. No, not very, very nice, but like it's better than like having your children starve. So yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay, as we're starting our conversation about Shamrock, uh, I'm going to make it very serious and then we're going to get very silly for a minute because she's yes. real silly. Uh, these, uh, these are stories that were told in different times. We've been exploring uh, concepts around a lot of the Savage Land characters on my show lately. And in the 1960s, writing a story about a superhero killing a lion in the jungle or a supervillain. It wasn't that big a deal back then, but now we're like, oh man, conservation. And this is like super problematic. We don't want anyone killing creatures in the jungle. Uh, like this is kind of the that that type of thing. It, Shamrock is introduced in the early eighties. Her story takes some very wild turns. Every time she shows up, she has a completely different career. Mm. There's a lot of craziness about her. Uh, but she is introduced as a caricature of Irish people at first, and then they start giving her more and more layers of kind of confusing depth as we go through. But I want to be clear, we're not calling any of the writers or artists uh, who worked on these stories racist. I, I really want to be clear about that from my own perspective. Trina, if you disagree, that's okay. But what I do think is these were American stories told in the way that was culturally acceptable for Americans to tell stories at the time. So far as yeah. I know, there were no intentions to create racist caricatures. It was just a time when these were the types of stories being told. I know. And like, 
I think back then as well, we have to be aware that like people didn't have access to the same kind of information we do now. Like if you, if you're a person and you're, you're commenting, for example, on the, the troubles and saying something very, you know, stereotypical or kind of outrageous and like, what are you doing? You have the internet, you can Google and look at the Wikipedia page for this for, for like three or four minutes, you know, but like back then, I feel like I'll, I'll to kind of explain to people like what a Irish person was or like what a French person was or anything like that and that you you needed to kind of display them in kind of very visible stereotypes that weren't necessarily true but like could be understood by um uh like understood by like Americans like how like you know in like a lot of Disney films they kind of they'll show like different cultures like praying with like their hands together which you know is like shorthand for like an audience for specifically like a western audience that this person is praying but you know not necessarily is what they would have done like in ancient greece or something like that you know um uh, a, a different way to portray well i think we've kind of captured the essence of that i could delve deeper on that but let's begin with uh with shamrock it's 1982 Marvel is launching their first big crossover. It's called The Contest of Champions. Uh, Mark Grunwald, who I adore, John Romita, Bob Layton are on the title. And it's kind of their first real limited series. It's bringing all the toys in the toy box together in a way that like Secret Wars and then like every summer crossover ever would do afterward <laughs> in all of those like line-wide events that we have to buy all the books for. There's a character named the Grandmaster. He's one of the elders of the universe and he likes to play cosmic games. He's obsessed. And he has a wager with the entity Death, who's literally a feminine skeleton in a black hood. She's like the archetype of the concept of Death. And they have chosen to use the planet Earth as their battleground. And they are going to make superheroes fight for pieces of what they call the golden globe of life. And each of them get to choose certain players to represent them in this game. It's a wild story. And so they start I gathering. I love it. I'm going to be honest. It reminds me of like a shonen, um, you know, battle tournament arc. Like I was reading this and I was like, ah, oh, this is actually like, I wish they'd do something like this. I... Um, but updated in like the modern day, I think it'd be great because you'd have access to like, you know, less cultural stereotypes. You could get really fun with it, you know? <laughs> I love, and, and they have revisited the concept of the Contest of Champions a number of times in the comics. Uh, but I, I I love a good arena battle. There's the, mm. the supervillain makes the heroes fight in the arena while they watch. Like that kind of story is super fun to read as a, as a comic book fan. So they bring in a ton of different characters from different countries. Uh, as part of this, I think they had the idea of if we're making this an Earth battle, we should have more representation of heroes from around the globe. Of course, they had Black Panther and Storm and a few people, but they uh, they introduced a, a, a number of new characters during this arc. Uh, we see a character named Blitzkrieg, who is from Germany. We see the Collective Man, who is uh, from China, He's, who's also a mutant. Uh, there's a guy named Defensor from Argentina. Uh, Peregrine from France, a character named Talisman from Australia, who was also problematic. I mean, all of these are a little problematic. Mm. And then we get Shamrock, uh, <laughs> Shamrock from Ireland. Uh, Trina, do you want to cover Shamrock's costume? <laughs> I laughed out loud multiple times as I focused. I, I mean, I'd read this series before, but I was focused on her specifically. And it's uh, oof. <laughs> So, um, 
yeah, I think I'm trying to like the the original one. Um, there's a couple there I've seen. Yeah, the original is like the green cowl with the shamrock on the middle of her forehead. Oh yeah, like the certainly a choice. I find this costume just really ugly. <laughs> like there's some older costumes that I've seen, and I'm like, I can you know I can really get behind it. It's not perfect, but like just green, I think is a very hard color to to kind of have a costume and I, I think it can be done really well but I think what really gets me is just like the <laughs> the fact that like she has her whole head covered and I just with the shamrock in the middle and it's just it just looks really really weird to me like she looks like some kind of from afar if you like squint she looks like some kind of green alien so I really <laughs> dislike the costume I feel like you could have gone some like interesting um, I don't know maybe they just didn't know back then you could have gone some interesting ways with like introducing like um, maybe some like traditional Irish garb from like the 15th or 16th centuries by like having like uh, the um, back then they used to have like a specific type of way they'd work with gold and you'll see it like if you come to Ireland they have tons of these like uh, you know the typical kind of Celtic knots and things like that and I'm not quite sure why they didn't kind of introduce something like that if you know like a shawl that maybe went over her chest something like that you know like a sash would have been really interesting but instead they it just can I it, say it just feels kind of lazy to me yeah, it's basically <laughs> yeah it's basically like a, a, a drag queen bodysuit in a way it's there's a yeah. light green tunic with a dark green shamrock on it and then she has dark green sleeves uh and tights and then like light green gloves and boots and it's not super original, but there is something a little bit charming about it. You're, she stands out on the page. You're like, what is happening with this character? I know, yeah, because you have all these kind of other costumes. Because I was looking at them um, uh, in this kind of battle tournament. Um, and they're all kind of like you, kind of pretty unique and interesting. And then there's the one at the end. <laughs> it's just like, why is there a shabrock at the end? You know, like, it's just, <laughs> I, it is, it can be charming, but like definitely, I find it very, um, I, I think what just gets me is just the shamrock in the middle of the forehead. I think if you just had the shamrock on the chest, it'd probably be fine. But just like the, the shamrock in the forehead smack dab in the middle. It just, it's, I don't know. It's obnoxious. It is very obnoxious, <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, the Grandmaster is, if he wins the game, his friend, the Collector, gets returned to life. But if Death wins the game, she's going to end all life. This is the stakes of this game that they're playing, <laughs> which is insane. So there's a series of pages when you open the book of the different heroes in different circumstances, and then all of them kind of disappear, and they're being pulled into this like battle arena, basically. And when we first meet Shamrock, she is in Northern Ireland, and she is saving a group of school children from a terrorist bomb. And that's the first image of this character on the page. So already we've talked about why that might be a little bit sensitive or problematic. Uh, then she gets pulled into the arena with all the heroes, and she is staring down Captain Britain, <laughs> who is the national hero of England. And she's got some like concern on her face. And given the rift, it's it's kind of unstated on the page, but given the, what these characters represent and the and this the countries they're from, you're kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> Do you have thoughts on Shamrock thus far? The my thoughts on it so far. Sorry? Yeah, yeah. Do you have uh, thoughts on the the introduction of Shamrock? I, God, there just must have been 
uh, so many people saving each other from terror, like IRA bombs, according to Marvel, back in the day. It's I think it's fine. I think it's um, you you want to point to something that uh, people in America are going to understand that kind of like this is Irish, and probably at the time the troubles were in the news, so people could relate that back to what have been kind of at the time. This one, I, I'm not exactly sure of like the um the exact date this came out, but like the um what is it? I I I think it's really it's a very, obviously like a stereotype, and um the I I I guess it just comes down to like page count and like how much you can um fit into like the panels where like I don't I think going into like an intense discourse between her and Captain Britain probably wasn't like <laughs> something they could have done given like the wide berth of characters they had but like yeah I like again um there's it, it's as an Irish person I am not angry about the betrayal because I understand that kind of like sometimes you need these shorthand stereotypes and you're you're working with writers that probably have very limited time and maybe yeah you know, they don't have access to the internet and they read a book about it once in a library 10 years ago. And that's the, the you know, the basis of like what they are. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm I just looking at it there and I actually just, I really, really like the, what she's wearing as she's saving the kids. <laughs> I think that's really cute. Um, <laughs> I wish they'd lean more into that with the costume. But yeah, so far, uh, I, I think if you were to kind of do this today, I would definitely be raising a lot of eyebrows. We're like, oh, she's doing that really stereotypical thing of saving kids from a um, uh, an IRA bomb. But like, you know, back then, I can maybe like understand the logic of like why they did it in that way. It's like, well, how else are you going to introduce an Irish character with something that Americans recognize? Like, you can't, like, you don't, you don't want to do like the typical thing and put them in like a field full of sheep and be like, ah, here, and here is Molly. <laughs> <laughs> the poor little Irish peasant girl, you know? <laughs> now, uh, do you have my notes pulled up? I do. Uh, I'm going to have you read some of Shamrock's introductory words here in a second. So Shamrock, if we, if we need to lean into the caricature farther, she has luck powers, which these are going to get expanded in a wild way uh, in the Marvel Comics present story. But at this point, we're led to believe they're just luck powers. Uh, they're fighting over the Golden Globe. They're on different missions. Uh, Shamrock is in the fourth contest in the series, and she is picked to be on Death's team alongside Storm and the Collective Man. And they are put in a jungle where they have to fight Grandmaster's team, who are Sasquatch, Captain Britain, and Blitzkrieg. And this is where we get uh, Shamrock kind of speaking for the first time. And I'm not even going to attempt. <laughs> But she mentions her luck about 12 times and like her Ireland stereotype. Uh, do, we, do you want to take that section where it starts with... Uh, okay. <laughs> um, right. So Biora, she's in Ireland. We've been sent to teammates. Then she introduced herself while saluting. Low teammates. I'm Shamrock, Ireland's lucky lady. She then hides in a tree and thinks, "'Tis lucky that I'm me costume blends with the foliage. Otherwise, Captain America might have seen me before I could have snatched the vine from, this, from his grasp." She swings down from the tree, yanks the vine away from him. He yells, "'Where in the blazes did you come from?' And she replies, "'Sunny Ireland, the luckiest lass that's fair then left ye hanging high and dry.'" I feel physically dirty after <laughs> reading that. Um, <laughs> uh, give, us, give us one more paragraph. 
Okay, she fell to the ground and landed in the underground and thought, what a lucky landing. But then probability has always gone well whenever I show me pretty head. I just, even I'm like leaning into it. I just hope looks with me now because judging by the handsome hero's bulging biceps, if he catches me, I'm going to need it. And she goes running into the jungle away from Captain America and he springs right into a giant python, of course. Lol. Shamrock hides in, hid in a tree, thinking teehee, and then the golden globe popped out of a knot in the tree and Shamrock grabbed this lucky. Okay. And then the conflict ends and Grandmaster wins and the collector comes back to life and everyone gets sent home at the end. Uh, <laughs> this is kind of Shamrock's shining moment. Uh, she is attracted to Captain America's bulging biceps and she says teehee in a tree and like fights in a fight for a minute. What are... I don't feel it's so much that she has luck powers, she has Deus Ex Machina powers, because it's a very boring way <laughs> for her to find. We're like, oh, here it is. <laughs> uh, Shamrock shows up in 1983 in Incredible Hulk 279 by Bill Mantlo. Uh, he, the Hulk is being given a presidential pardon, and there's a whole bunch of heroes from around the globe celebrating. She's only in one panel, and she says out loud, "Tis easy being green." That's it. That's the, that's the whole thing. <laughs> then in uh, Rom, that's the space knight that Marvel doesn't have the rights to anymore. Rom number sixty-five in nineteen eighty-five. She's again uh, one of a bunch of heroes. She's there fighting uh, the dire wraiths alongside Rom. She's in one single panel with Captain Britain, Blitzkrieg, Arabian Knight, Le Peregrine, and American Eagle, who's a Native American character. So it's just like they packed all the diverse characters into one panel in that book. Uh, and then we get to 1989. Marvel Comics uh, presents number 24. Shamrock gets an eight-page story that's written by Scott Lobdell, who is a pretty talented writer. Scott Lobdell is a comedian. Uh, he wrote the X-Men for a long time. And I'm going to kind of presume that the assignment was pick a character off this list. You get an eight-page story, and we want you to do something with them. And I'm going to, I haven't not interviewed Scott Lobdell about this, but I'm going to presume he saw an opportunity to give some depth to Shamrock or I to would, make yeah. our understanding a little different. Because boy, does this eight page story change everything about her. Do you want to cover this story if you're willing? Tell us, uh, well, tell us your thoughts first. Uh, and then just kind of what happens in Marvel Comics uh, number, presents number 24, the Shamrock story. All right. So, um, yeah, she's an eight page feature. And we find out that she's actually a Dublin school teacher and is also the vessel for a thousand tortured souls. Um, which I, what I find really interesting about this is it's the, it's the innocent victims of a religious war that has ravaged her homeland for centuries. So her luck powers, it's not actually luck. It's ghosts like moving things around and like yeah. randomly giving her telekinetics whenever she's threatened. Like that's what her good luck powers are. Yeah. And it's just, I don't, really understand the use of like religious like if i was personally writing this i wouldn't have leaned into because obviously there was a lot of persecution between like the catholics and protestants but it was more kind of like a identity kind of persecution like if i was to lean into this i don't know why they didn't put like the thousand tortured souls of like the famine in 1845 that makes a bit more sense to me but maybe scott lavelle didn't know about that at the time <laughs> because i i read kind of like the the religious war and there wasn't really a war in Ireland per se it just it, there's just a lot of persecution because they refused to convert due to their 
um, the identity and the hatred of the British at the time. I mean, I got the vibe that he was talking directly about the IRA war, like the the conflict with the, the internal conflict within the country. Like that's 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 how I read it. They also call Molly. Uh, her real name is Molly Fitzgerald, which is given here for the first time. They also call her Ireland's most reluctant superheroine, which is which is interesting. Yeah. Well. Well. I, for me, when I when I thought about like the soul thing that kind of connected to like kind of much deeper older Irish history you know kind of like the um uh, kind of like the religions before kind of Christianity and stuff like that but like I suppose it could also just it confuses me when like people she's she comes from Dublin but she has a thousand Irish souls from the north which is like 200 kilometers from her in like a conflict that isn't really like if she comes from Dublin like Dublin was obviously Ireland was obviously all involved in the troubles, but like it's like saying the kind of like oh the the poor tortured souls of like in whatever happens in like Philadelphia and then you know but the character comes from like California it just kind of it just it's just a bit weird to me. <laughs> well, and we also we also don't really get an understanding about why these souls are affecting her. It, she's not a mutant. She's never stated as a mutant. Is she a mystic? Is it her birthright? It's kind of an- Because that was my assumption as well, that the, it was kind of a mystical, which which is fine if you're getting like mystical powers from like the ancient Deep Ireland or whatever. Like I, I can I can live with that. But like, I, I don't think there's anything really mystical to me about like the troubles in any way, you know? And like, it wasn't really like a, about the religion as it was more about like the Irish and British identities and the way that like religion was wrapped up in that but and it's kind of the way they kind of identified themselves but like mm. it's uh it's just it's a very yeah it's a very weird kind of maybe again this is just something that he knew at the time but um what are you yeah, what but, are your thoughts on the name Molly Fitzgerald and them giving her the job of a school teacher I think that's fine um it's a <laughs> I suppose like a good a good job for uh, a, a Catholic lass at the time. So like I think Mo Molly Fitzgerald. I like I want to Molly is a very common Dublin name. Like there's um uh there's like the Molly statue, Molly Malone statue that is in um Ireland, and that has uh it stands in like the middle of Dublin, and it's um uh it's 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 a kind of a reference to like an old poem about a about a woman who would go down to the seashore and she'd pick up like mussels and shells and she'd go she goes sell them in Dublin. So like the I Molly's a very like to me like a very typical kind of Dublin name and like Fitzgerald I think is also uh fine. I think it's like an old a very um kind of old Irish name from like yonks ago. So like it's yeah I, like <laughs> Again, very stereotypical, but I think it's better than calling her like Patty or something like that. I yeah, it could be like Patty O'Farrell or something. Patty O'Farrell, yeah, There's a drag queen in America named Patty O'Furniture, which I think is kind of hilarious, actually. That's, <laughs> that's just fun. When it comes to drag, I'm like, yeah, no, just kind of roll whatever you like. It's kind of, uh, that, that's just a, that's a good name. So I have a paragraph typed up of her narration from when this story starts. Will you give her, give us her narration at the beginning of this Marvel Comics Presents story? Like where she, I never asked for my special abilities. Uh, so yeah, we get, a, so Molly narrates, um, I never asked for my special abilities. No one did. 
I was only three years old and night my father took us to North of our North Arden mountain sites. This really confused me here. Like what North Arden mountain site? I don't, <laughs> as he asked the heavens to grant his child, the power to strike down thine enemies. See, this is why I thought it was like very, when it said it like a thousand souls, it felt way more connected to like old Irish sort of culture rather than kind of like the troubles. But anyway, okay. the answer to his prayer was no, or so I thought until my freshman year in college. Turns out I was blessed with the protective aura that causes random probabilities to manifest themselves on my behalf whenever I'm attacked. Whereas in a return to the war-torn mountains, I use my good luck powers to become the Iron's most seldom seen superheroine, Shamrock. That scene ended the day Molly Fitzgerald became a school teacher for first grade students in Dublin. Um, on, up until tonight, I believed I was doing the best to build a better world so that tomorrow's children would have be exposed to the horrors of the war. What war? Is this the troubles? I was wrong. So Molly gets a telegram and it informs her that her brother has died and she's visiting his grave. This is literally the opening of the story. All that narration and her at her brother's grave is the start. And then her dad shows up and it turns out they haven't talked in years and her dad blames her for her brother's death because she hadn't been there to protect him. And she professes how the war had claimed enough lives, but her dad says the war for him will never be over. And Molly goes back to her childhood home uh, and she thinks it would have taken love to make it a home. And she learns her brother, Patty, so we do have the name Patty Fitzgerald here had become a soldier in the war, but a terrorist bomb in a shopping mall had killed him. And her dad lays the guilt on her really thick. He says, I'm not gonna do an Irish accent, but he says, I'm sure your mother, Lord rest her soul, is proud of one of her children. And uh, <laughs> then Molly emphasizes and defends her decision to be a teacher instead and to see the world beyond the war. But he tells her she has spineless daydreams. And then her dad literally knocks her out. He drugs her tea. Uh, he takes her to a Nazi geneticist. Fucking this was just Arnim, out of left field. <laughs> fucking Arnim Zola, the like Nazi geneticist. There's like a robot with like a face on his stomach shows up here. And he's planning to kill her and strip her powers so that her dad can give them to other people. But Molly's luck holds on enough and the ghosts of the innocent victims protect her. And she uses a pipe of nitrogen to destroy Zola. And then her dad pulls a gun on her and tries to kill her, but a generator generator explodes because again, uh, the luck of the Irish. And then her father seemingly dies and Molly walks away, leaving her parents behind. Uh, we later learn in a handbook entry, by the way, her dad's name is also Patty and her mom's name is Sheila. Uh, tell me your thoughts on this. a really fucking crazy story. So, yeah, it's very older typical marvel kind of shenanigans going on like i'm like a little confused on to like where we are where is the house was the dad involved in the war and why did the dad know uh, a nazi genesis like eugenicist like there's a lot of uh, elements there that i feel are like because i i i don't think um the nazis were like really not involved at all in Ireland, so I'm a little confused as to that point, but maybe, like, is there anything that kind of illuminates that, you know, you, kind of further? Was that you just think the connection makes no sense to me? Do you like this story and how it changes her, her powers, her family relationships? I do like her self determinism. I like that she's I, like choosing yeah. her own path and like separating yeah. herself out from her past. I, I think that kind of like it, 
it, it, she, she was a very, very silly character originally. And they, the way they kind of expanded on her and kind of connected to her culture, obviously it's kind of wrong in places and it doesn't make any sense. But like the, uh, I, I really like it and I really like the way her character, um, kind of develops and like how she has this narrative of being like the reluctant superhero, <laughs> superheroine. You know, like I think, I think that's great personally. You know, um. It's a, yeah, it's an interesting thing. Uh, any thoughts on the portrayal of her father here? Uh, he, I, I, hmm. I mean, he's just an individual character. We don't get any of his backstory. Apparently he's just a huge asshole and he literally tries to kill his kid because he doesn't think she deserves, like he's clearly misogynistic and like really awful as a human yeah. being, but I don't know if the portrayal of him is all right or not. <laughs> um, I, I just, I, I, I'm just, the one thing that comes to my mind is kind of confusion more than anything else because like i uh do we like learn um so her her brother became a soldier in the war is this the war is in like the war in the north i mean it really doesn't identify <laughs> yeah no that's why like because like the like northern ireland and like southern ireland like obviously what was going on in the troubles was very um difficult but it wasn't something that really involved the rest of ireland so if she's based in dublin I assume she comes from Dublin. So this is why, like, the geography is not making much sense to me. Um, I think they're kind of like, there's, I, I, I guess there must have been just being an assumption back then that like, when they say, like, the civil war in Ireland, or, like, just a general, like, war in Ireland, they were like, ah, all, all of Ireland, not necessarily north of Ireland. Like, obviously, it, was, it, it had impacts in the rest of Ireland, but it wasn't like there was fighting generally going on or anything like that in, like, Dublin. Yeah. So like I and as for like the, the Nazi thing, just out of left field. I don't like. I, I want to say that maybe he read something once about there being like maybe a connection between Nazis and the IRA, potentially, or something along the lines of that. Um, after after getting to know you a little bit and then reading this story, there was part of me that wished I could like screenshot your face when you were reading these eight pages. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I know. Yeah, like just I. <laughs> It just confusion just comes to mind basically, and like I think a lot of this comes down to, um, the writer probably read something once in a newspaper or a book and was like, it had very very general terms. Like in general, I think it's just it's her determination and the way she's like a reluctant superhero. I think it really expands on her character and it's really interesting and makes it far better than like Teehee look at Captain America's bulging muscles in Jungle Tree. <laughs> um, but like everything else, kind of, you know. I, I really feel they could have done a lot better if they had kind of like again avoided the troubles and if they had gone into <clears throat> connecting her powers with like old really kind of old Irish myth because there's a lot you of interesting things you could have done there and you're not kind of dating yourself as well and all that stuff is so vague and so mythical like I um like I, I i just i just don't know enough about like i should about irish marvel superheroes but like something like um even like connected with like tierna oak like a, like an old the like, tierna oak being basically like um heaven for heroes in old irish culture like that's a very uh, a basic explanation of it but like i just there's there's so much kind of going on that kind of like i feel like that just you couldn't you didn't need to like involve the ira and the troubles in it but otherwise, I do really like the portrayal of her character, personally. Just the Nazi thing. Just like, she's... <laughs> I, you were reading it to me, and I was like, what? <laughs> like, where, where, where did this come from? Did, like, what, did the dad know Nazis? 
is that what's going on here? I don't. It's it's strange. It does. It's a really bold story, and it and it really expands this character. But the interesting thing about uh, about Shamrock is, I think people are really fond of her. I think she's a character that people kind of hold dear, like oh. But her first appearance doesn't really correspond with her this one. And yeah. her future appearances don't really correspond with this either. It's almost mm. as if writers are afraid to touch the story and the backstory here. Uh, I, yeah. I read this Marvel Comics Presents story right around the same time my husband and I saw the movie Dublin. Have you seen Dublin? Uh, I haven't. No, I sh- oh, probably should, but yeah. It was, yeah. it was up for Best Picture. It's a really stirring film about a child in a family who are struggling in the conflict with the IRA. And it, obviously it's made many, many years after this story was told. But I was sitting there trying to reconcile what what from that I could put into this. And I couldn't, I couldn't find a, a, a careful enough through line to make it work. Uh, it's interesting. Okay, let me cover her next a few appearances quickly and then we'll talk about them. We do learn in an official handbook entry that she has been dating the superhero Le Peregrine from, uh, from France. And they fought in a group called Icon together. That's literally all we know. Uh, she shows up in Alpha Flight number 108 in 1992, also by Scott Lobdell. And she is remotely attending the Pan-European Conference on Superhuman Affairs, representing Ireland. And she's back in her costume here for a minute. We also see La Peregrine and Micromax, uh, Omerta, Prodigy, Ursula. These are all international Marvel super characters that we're not going to talk about. Uh, and then there's another Nazi. This is Brain Drain, who we later learn, uh, see as Squirrel Girl's ally in that wonderful Ryan North series. But Brain Drain attacks and tries to take people's minds over because they want to assassinate world leaders. But Shamrock's luck powers protect her. So instead of killing the Irish politician, she has tea with him instead. And then North Star shows up and they just have a little, little fun time. That's It's kind of a cute little story, actually. I don't mind this one. Uh, do you have any thoughts on those two entries on Shamrock? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, I, I, I'm disappointed she's back in her green uh, kind of cowl, but like the... Um, I, I'm going to appreciate she's dating with Le Pere, How do you pronounce it? A pair. La Pere Green. Yeah. Le which means the, which, just means um, the which is great, great for her. We all we all have a good Frenchman. Um, and like, I, I feel like they just, they, they probably didn't have like the space to kind of expand on her at all. So like uh, the, like killing an Irish politician, she had tea with him. And then Northstar well, shows up very strange. But. <laughs> But but she was able to avoid brain drains, mental control, which is cool. Her luck powers yeah. her from mind control. It's like what what happened exactly? Did you know? Did her luck powers literally like protect her mind, or did something kind of like did sh- some shenanigans happen, and he was he couldn't control her? I I truly don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you just, that's the explanation given. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> uh, then we jump forward to Excalibur 108. This is by friend of the podcast, Ben Robb. Uh, it's 1998. And again, she is just, she went from being the silly girl to the traumatized school teacher to like the representative of the Irish government at the superhero conference. And now she's a hairdresser, but also she has a broken foot because she fell in the bathroom. <laughs> I don't understand this logic at all. She says Did her she... luck her luck ran out, so she opened a hair salon. 
And uh, she's now the most sought after hairdresser in all of Europe. And she's done the hair of Shadowcat and Wolvesbane. And she just is kind of on one page. They go for some hairdos and there's Shamrock on crutches. That's that's all. <laughs> I feel like this was sort of a, um, we need to have the female superheroes in a hair salon. But we also need to use Shamrock. How can we combine these two? <laughs> I, I know many really the foot thing. The I trigger. know many people who have left one career for a different career. I uh, I, I understand not wanting to be a school teacher anymore because lots of kids will. <laughs> and then you get to yeah. do hair, which is more fun. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this career choice? For I don't know. It's a kind of. I I much prefer to school teacher personally. Um, that. I think that's far more interesting for her character and also her, I, I like the idea of her sort of being like a reluctant superheroine, but this, I think maybe they wanted to make her more girly, I guess. <laughs> um, I, I, th I personally find it kind of boring and I don't think it really has anything to kind of do with the, her culture or like her character as a whole from what we've been portrayed because like, I can't imagine a, um, and personally, if I was a, a superheroine who had lost like a bunch of family and the troubles and things like that and that uh i can then just decide to like open a hair salon it just seems to go against her character because she explains at the beginning and um, back in her second portrayal that kind of like i want to teach children to like look past this war and like conflict and things like that and then she's like hair you know that's what i want to do <laughs> it, seems to go, it goes against her character that and it's really it's it's really almost as if they're just throwing in a fun obscure like oh here's one page of this character you haven't thought about in a long time yeah yeah but and they're like well, we have to have the characters in a hair salon so now she's a hairdresser now she's mentioned in 2006 in a in a place a book called marvel monsters from the files of ulysses bloodstone and the monster hunters it's a handbook uh, I did not work on this book, even though I was a handbook guy back then. Uh, and she just mentioned that she did Wasp's hair once. And then in 2010, we get the first time she's ever written by a female writer. Uh, Catherine Monin does a story in Girl Comics number two. Uh, Molly is in her her hair parlor. Did you did you read the story, Trita? I, I did not, no, but... This, um... one's, this one's hard to find. Uh, she She's trying on her old costume and the ghosts are like bugging her and she does the hair for the invisible woman and had visits from Hellcat and the black cat and then the trapster attacks and breaks down the wall of the salon and gets beat up. And she's just kind of there. It's cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like that they tied in the ghost thing again you know that like um the idea that they're just following around her like following her around taunting her all the time <laughs> yeah i i feel that kind of like uh, i i don't think this was probably intentional or maybe it was by the, the 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 writer but like the kind of whatever you talk about like old irish kind of ghosts and um kind of it's like old Irish history and things like that. They're they're always kind of like these really really annoying figures that kind of follow you around and talk about grudges all the time. So like it, I in a way it it's I have this funny image of just like a bunch of like old men basically following her and like complaining about kind of like oh the tea was too cold or something. <laughs> that, that that I don't think that was the intention, but it is maybe um 
uh, kind of a fun idea to kind of think about it that way. Like a manifestation uh, I like the... of her own self-doubt or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I just, I, I do really, really like the idea of her being like the vessel for a thousand souls. Very, very annoying Irish souls. <laughs> um, <laughs> when she did, uh, it, I, I, <laughs> I like the way they had the trapster attacks and then immediately gets beaten up by assumed by like all the, the women. In the... All the women come in to hang out with Molly. Yeah. 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 And she's and relocated and... here. She's in New York now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, it's cute. I'm not quite sure why you'd, well, I guess it's for like geography's sake, uh, why you'd re- relocate her from Dublin. So I feel like her character is like a school teacher and her kind of dark backstory is just kind of gone now. I guess. Right. Well, and even her being a hairdresser or a salon owner, it's kind of like two pages out of two comic books and that's it. Like, uh, yeah. she doesn't have much to do. Then we get another career change. It's Fearless Defenders number nine. It's 2013. Uh, by Colin Bunn and now she owns a pub so she's a superhero turned teacher turned hairdresser turned pub owner and one night she hears a group of male heroes so the fearless defenders was a team of all female uh, characters banding together and this is the issue where all of their boyfriends are hanging out at the bar pining after their women it's actually kind of cute so you get you get cannonball x-man like Nate Gray both of whom were connected with Danny Moonstar you get Hercules, Doctor Strange, who's the counterpart of Clea, uh, Iron Fist, who's the counterpart of Misty Knight, uh, Flash Thompson slash Venom, who was dating Valkyrie at the time of all people. And then uh, Jack Russell is there. And these are the counterparts of all these different characters who are part of the team. Uh, Jack Russell being uh, Werewolf by Night, who's the counterpart of Elsa Bloodstone. Hercules, the counterpart of Hippolyta. Uh, and they're all whining about their women being off without them. And Molly rolls her eyes at the men complaining. And then the women show up, all of the superhero women. And they end up fighting other superhero women. There's Quicksand and Ru- I fucking love Ruby Thursday. Ruby Thursday is one of my all-time favorite Marvel characters. She's a weird lady with like a red head that morphs into different things. I love her. The Enchantress is there and the Headmen, who I also love. And, and and again, Molly's kind of ancillary to all of this, but it's cute. What do you think about this career change of her being a pub owner now? I I definitely feel it was um they revisited the character and they're kind of like, ah, hairdressers doesn't make any sense. What do what do Irish people like to do? Oh, drink. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so and mildly offended. So I guess she I she owns a pub in New York. Yep. So it's one of those like typical Irish pubs you see across I mean, the world. Yep, and all the Maybe. superheroes hang out there and whine about their girlfriends. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like my hell. <laughs> Where, like, I own a pub and all I have to do is listen to, like, men whinge because, like, their girlfriends have gone out to save the world. It's like, just, yeah. Um, certainly a career change. Uh, the... I don't know. Like, I... I did they bring in any of the of her powers or anything along the lines of that? Like it's just she's just she's just there owning the bar. And I almost okay. get the vibe with her last couple jobs. It's almost like she's trying to distract herself. She has no desire to be a superhero, and she's kind of distracting herself and wanting to just get busy with life. But she's still kind of beloved yeah. by the superhero community. But then in her next appearance, it's another career change. She's a shield agent in Marvel Knights okay. number two and four. It's 2014. Oh, Joe Keating's the writer. CV is amazing. She, she's in Europe. She's working for Maria Hill. Hulk is there fighting some AIM agents who have gamma bombs. And she helps him like finish the fight. 
so again, she's she's not in her green costume. She's just in like a shield uniform. Uh, she's very ancillary to the story once again, but it's another major career change. And then in Uncanny Avengers number three, or excuse me, volume three, number 28 in 2017 by friend of the podcast, Jim Zub, uh, she is uh, back in her bar. <laughs> she's owning her bar. And we see Beast and Wonder Man hanging out. This is during the like Dark Force dimension story uh but those are literally all of her appearances so it's shield agent and then back to bar attending but she's never really the featured character of anything except that one story in marvel comics presents that's really the only depth we get to a character who has kind of a weird history across marvel's line yeah like i feel she's more background filler in like a lot of this stuff and also like you know, if you if you need the character, I don't want the term for it. Like, if you need the characters to like hang in like a certain place, you know, or like oh, we'll have them all at the pub, you know, or we'll have them all at the bar, you know, we we'll have them all at the hairdressers. It's just yeah, it's it's unfortunate because I think there was a lot of potential I think here for something really interesting that would have tied into like old older Irish history if they'd maybe like avoided leaning into the troubles so much. Um, but they kind of I don't really. I I I I would love to think that maybe she has that kind of reluctance. I don't want to be like a superhero, but then she's also a shield agent, and also she like represents Ireland as like a um as a superhero at a superhero conference. So like her character's just all over the place. Like I don't. There's, I, 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 there's a lot yeah. of potential with this character. The yeah, there ghosts, is. Yeah, the ghosts, the power set, her family background. Her reluctance in itself, uh, I think she deserves it some time in the spotlight and for someone to really give her some love and make her someone who is remembered. Unfortunately, she probably needs a new code name to make that happen. Uh, but, yeah. But um, maybe you can lean into the Shamrock name and make it work. I'm not so sure. It's, I, I, I don't. I don't know. I think that you could maybe do something with the word Shamrock and make it like a something like just a little bit more interesting because I think the word shamrock is kind of boring just like as a superhero name in general um I think it's okay to kind of have her theme be shamrocks you know like I and I, I uh, say this as an Irish person like it's you know stereotypes they can be terrible but sometimes they are very helpful in like helping people kind of instantly recognize like who she is not everyone has all the time that I would have or like the the history knowledge to go into like <laughs> what 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 the Irish story is, you know. But like, I, yeah, I do really really agree that there's a huge amount of potential here. Like, I just find her powers really interesting. Like the idea of like being like uh, being haunted by like a thousand souls, and I don't really know why they didn't do much more with that. You know, there's a lot of potential there. Well, be... And again, the only explanation we have in her powers is her dad took her on this mythical mountain in Northern Ireland and said, yeah. help my daughter give her powers. And like, then she has them later. I, I think she could be made a mutant. There's a number of ways to connect her with other people. Uh, and she needs some relationships. She needs to be able to interact with people. We need to see her on the page, rolling her eyes about that time that she, you know, was in the tree with Captain America. <laughs> we... Yeah, yeah. We need to talk um, about like her, she's clearly like a restless soul. She's changing jobs every few years. She's bored easily. There's there's some really interesting components to who she is uh, that have never really been explored. Yeah, definitely. And I I feel that there's the idea of like a really, really reluctant 
superhero. I just I do actually think that really connects in with like the um the the idea of being Irish and like not really knowing who you are because like you're because of colonization, like your your culture is like ripped from you and like you know, you're basically just British light at this point. Um but like the yeah, and like just her powers and everything combined, I think if she was to get like a, an interesting costume update and definitely like connecting her to some of the relationships like within Marvel. I don't I don't know if I kind of go the mutant route personally. Now I don't like exactly know the exact rules when it comes to like mutants, but I feel like her powers are more like ghost heritage mythical yeah, based. Yeah. Sure. Rather than kind of like this is, you know, uh I can just summon storms of my mind because I'm a mutant kind of thing, you know. I mean, um, it's something about her dad making some deal with Nazis and her getting powers as a result. I mean, there there's some crazy things that could be. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. We're like um or like that she uh kind of gets involved in some crazy plot involving superheroes and like she's maybe like forced to kind of uh to like save uh someone within like the marvel universe and she she goes out and she kind of basically gives herself powers where like you know or some kind of thing where like maybe something really interesting where she's like oh she she has she owes some debt to all these spirits (laughs) you know that they're, they're helping her out but there's kind of there's repercussions to like what she's doing as well because you know having to get being inhabited by the souls of a thousand spirits isn't you know great for your your psyche and everything yeah. else so like, some something like that could be really I I just personally if I was to ever kind of if anyone ever listened to this um and like it's going to be writing Shamrock in the future, which I don't think is going to happen. But just I would case. love to write Shamrock in the future. Yeah, I would definitely like personally back away from like the troubles thing because I think it kind of unless you have a very intimate um knowledge of it, it's it's a very kind of difficult conflict. It's actually still ongoing, and I think it's the kind of thing that like it's it's a very sore point for like a lot of people, and I don't know if it's like the best cultural touchstone if that makes sense like I would probably lean more like I've been saying into like the older things that are a bit more mystical and that sort of connects better with like Irish heritage in my opinion feels like a lot of them when they mention the troubles this is kind of like the only thing they do know about Ireland so there's a lot of kind of weird connection to it that doesn't make a lot of sense you know the uh the three things when we just focus on her character not even her powers the three things that I think are most fascinating in the way they work and I when I'm writing a character, I always try to get into who they are. Number one, the reluctant superhero bit. Mm. Number two, the idea of self-determinism. The fact that she said, fuck you to your dad. I'm I'm living my own life. I'm doing things on my own terms. Yeah. But then the, the, the seeming kind of restlessness that goes along with that. Changing jobs every few years. This is a character who's really trying to find her path and find her place. And I think there's some really interesting things that could be done with the reluctance, the restlessness, and the self-determinism that kind of make her up for me. Uh, and we're clearly filling in the blanks because she's never been written more than a couple times by the same writer. And often she doesn't show I know, up for yeah, yeah. years. So I, uh, I, I actually would love to write uh, more about her. I think she's a really fascinating character. Did you know much about her before we started all this and kind of... What are your concluding thoughts as we as we summarize her history based on where you started with her and where you are now? So I was aware of the character and mostly of the costumes. I think a couple of years ago I saw the costume with, oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this really bad reaction to I still not like that costume. But like the um 
it's it's very camp. It it is, yeah. But like, I just I guess it's just a shamrock on the head that just bothers me. But like, the um, knowing more about her now, I really really see the potential. If someone just had access to Wikipedia, <laughs> I'm not like a book from the library in the 1970s, you know, or like, or or like like really really vague, um, kind of background characterness for her where like she shows up you know and she owns a pub because she's she's Irish you know and like we, we need to have them all in one place that's tie in Molly why not um, but I think the idea of like a really really reluctant superhero who want, wants to make like the world a, a better place but kind of like is very reluctant to use her powers and then like, connecting that with like her I think her powers could be really really unique and interesting like the idea of kind of like she has these spirits who uh, who will do things for her, who will move things for her, but she's not really in any proper control of them, I think is like, I can't really think of another superhero that has like look-based powers that's sort of around that, you know, like it's very interesting to me where like, is it, I, I, I do feel that kind of like, when you say I know it's all based on kind of like the look of the Irish I guess, um, like if I was to lean into it personally, I would make it very clear that kind of like, yeah you know, she has this ability to kind of like have things go right at the right time for her but it also comes with repercussions because like when you people say the look of the irish they don't really understand that given our history you know <laughs> i guess it's just a, a phrase people use back in the day i think a lot of americans view ireland as this kind of uh fiddle dd kind of irish happy place where you skip down the road in buckle shoes or something i don't know I, there is the drinking association there is the ira association but uh, my we uh, we host a monthly party at my house where we watch terrible movies on purpose. And a few weeks ago, we just watched the movie Leprechaun for the first time, which is which is a, a little person dressed as a leprechaun who's murdering people because he wants his gold back. And his only weakness is a four leaf clover. If he gets touched with a clover, he's vulnerable. But I mean, it it was ridiculous and horrible and kind of lovely at the same time. But you counter that with, uh, we just saw the movie, The, Ban the Banshees of Incheren, uh with Colin oh, Farrell, which was yeah. wonderful, uh, really, really beautifully done. So you 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 look at the realness of the situation versus the 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 com the comedy and the they're always after me lucky charms kind of uh, kind of vibe that we often put on characters here. I I love the Banshee finish here, and especially since um it it really kind of I watching it as like an Irish person is like oh god, um because the movie is all about grudges and yeah. like developing grudges, and I was talking to a friend about it where like like this is just Irish culture in general like, people don't realize this but the Irish like they 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 really really like hold a grudge, and I was told a very funny story recently about um uh my my grand uncles. Uh, the two of the pair of them that who live with the sister in the house down in the country and they um they got into a fight one day and they didn't talk for 40 years despite sharing the same house they just refused to apologize to each other and this is just they would just pass messages in between the sisters and it's just it's the same as well where like there's all these kind of crazy like just stubbornness to it the stubbornness to like apologize about things and I, I think that'd be like just to connect us back to like Molly just like even like the idea of a of a thousand souls being like having this such a deep grudge you're like you know i'm not gonna die fuck you we're gonna inhabit this poor woman and we're gonna make her do things you know um so yeah like i think there there's really really interesting ways you can connect us all together if we just got 
I, I guess it's just a matter of kind of actually physically getting page space for an Irish superhero character is the problem here, you know? Uh, well, Trina Farrell, not only are you my favorite bisexual colorist based in Ireland, <laughs> but I think you are so wonderfully charismatic and intelligent. And I, uh, I'm just so happy we got to hang out today. You're, uh, you're just a lovely human. Thank you for spending oh, this time you. with me. I, I hope I didn't ramble too much about no, no. the horrors of being Irish. It is, it is actually quite nice, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been so interesting to talk about Shamrock and like, I love these deep dives because usually I, I wouldn't have like the time or the, the knowledge to kind of like go in and there's, there's so many like, good reflections and now like i really want to write um a shamrock character or at least color her you know like if that was a thing that they decided to do like a series i'd be like hell yeah because sign me the hell up we'll we'll do this you know um i think it'd be so interesting to kind of like with her power set and the idea of like a reluctant superhero but you don't like see that too much i think it would be really really cool to to delve into it but thank you so much you've been like a grace as always um I had a uh, great and time and I do not think you uh, preached about the horrors of being Irish. I think you preached about the necessary uh, education that people need to have when approaching yeah. history and topics. I, uh, I, every time I finish one of these episodes, I want to go sit down and write a story about them. I want to put her on a team. I want to write a story. I, I have tons of ideas about that. I will color it if they ever, like, if you ever decide to do it or if anyone decides to do it, I will just drop me a line and be like, yes but we can't have the shamrock in the forehead. I refuse. <laughs> just we'll say, have, just please, anything else. <laughs> we'll have a passing comment about how awful that was. I do know my friend, Demanda Martini, who's a drag queen, is planning a shamrock look for St. Patrick's Day. And I think oh, she's great. using that costume, but it'll be super cute. Uh, <laughs> as we are wrapping up, we're going to put this out on uh, Wednesday the 15th on the Patreon. Uh, where can people find you online? And do you have anything you'd like to plug? What are you working on right now? Um. So. I am, um, you can find me online on my Twitter. I'm at Tree Stumped if you're interested. Um, I generally, what all I do is uh, cutters, but like sometimes I do some illustrations and stuff as well. Um, right now I am uh, on a couple of different things, but like the, the main thing I'd love to plug is um, uh, the, the next Alien book I'm working yeah, on, yeah. I guess, um, that has uh, Declan a... Shelby writing it. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, and uh, Andrea Bricardo, uh coloring it, uh, sorry, uh, drawing it rather, um, and that's really really fun because I love the Alien series. Funny enough, it's uh, I got shown it when I was three, and I've had nightmares about it ever since. So this is like a, <laughs> this is like an exorcism of sorts for me. But yeah, that's the kind of thing I like to plug. But otherwise, you can just follow me on Twitter, and like I, I do a lot of stuff, um, here and there. So yeah. Yeah, you're a busy person. Do you know Declan? Uh, I yes. <laughs> I know Declan very well. Uh, he's coming to my wedding um, in like a couple of weeks. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, he's um, the Irish community is very tiny. So I'd probably say there's uh, kind of people working at Marvel. I want to say there's like, I could be wrong, five or six of us. So uh, the we it's a very tiny community of like, so there's probably about like a hundred kind of kind of irish like comic book creators sure, so, sure. Like, we all know each other if you think he would enjoy it i i would be thrilled to feature declan on my show sometime uh if you ever uh, want to broker an introduction over email i'd be happy to i'd say if you uh what you call it talk to talk to him about um if you want to talk to him about banshee 
he'd probably be very interested to be honest he's he's written a banshee story that i he has so yeah he, yeah if you ever if you ever I'll, I'll i'll follow up with you later but yeah if you'd ever broker an introduction i would be thrilled to to connect with him i think he's yeah yeah because i had i had a lot of fun i'll mention it to him and um, because i had i always have a lot of fun kind of like these deep dive things and and like you know it's nice as well to kind of like because i'm i'm not a terribly verbose when it comes to marvel stuff and like i didn't really grow redrawing um or reading marvel comics and when people say certain characters to me i'm like who you know like well but so you know like, how the you know how the main episodes on my show are like i interview you and then we review the old comic together like i would love to put him on one of the main shows uh that'd be that'd be incredible yeah yeah um i'll mention it to him next time i i see him because i say, yeah, probably thank you, thank you. I say if anything he'd probably be very interested in talking about banshee and like um Irish culture as well. I would be uh, thrilled. That would be wonderful. We we've done a lot of Banshee stuff on my show already, and we mentioned Declan lots of times. So I'd be thrilled to meet him. Uh, okay. Lastly, I'm Chad Anderson. I keep my own social media private because I've got kiddos. But you can find me on Greymalk and PP like podcast on Twitter, Greymalk and underscore land on Instagram. Our next Patreon episode on this channel after this is going to feature the character Cobalt Man with the <laughs> with the uh, uh, NPR analyst uh, Phil Ewing. We're going to talk a lot about America's atomic age and how it influenced superheroes back then. The next episode that's out on the main show right after this, we're going to be releasing uh, X-Men Minus One, which is uh, set out during Flashback Month, with the X-Men writer, Stephen Grant. Uh, so it's going to be really wonderful. Uh, stay tuned. We have some incredible things. Uh, Trina Farrell, I adore you. Thank you for your time today. Uh, it's so good to see you, my friend. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you back here soon on Gray Malkin Lane. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio.